Hola. Welcome to episode 68 of Word to Your Mama. Word to Your Mama, a podcast about a Latinx mama, that's me, and the lives of her amazing multicultural tribe. It's a celebration of diverse voices and shared experiences. And today we have Rolando Cruz. He is um, a community organizer and part of the Boyle Heights Bridge Runners. So let me just preface this by saying there's part in the beginning where I tear up and I have to collect myself because he says something so beautiful to his daughter when she is born. And it just, truth be told, some things went down <laughs> that day before. And so when we touched upon that subject, it was, uh, it hit it hit something. And so uh, when he was, as soon as he said it, I was tearing up, but I didn't have to talk, right? And then I collected myself. And then when I, we talked about it again, then I started tearing up and then I don't do that. So anyways, you'll hear that. Um, but yeah, in this episode, we talk about how being an only child has impacted how he is a father, his fatherhood, how repping bull heights, um, in, in a big, a big, with the big audience, such as when he was in with Anthony Bourdain on Parts Unknown, and then recently, uh, broken bread with one of our faves, Roy Cho- Chef Roy Choi, and takeout with Lisa Ling. Uh, he explains that you know, contrary to popular belief and how he's listed, he is not co-founder of Boyle Heights Bridge Runners. But he talks about that journey and he talks about what exactly Boyle Heights Bridge Runners stand for and do. Um, I ask him about where he gets his sense of community organizing and social justice. Where does he get that energy? Because he doesn't burn out. And we also talk about not being fair weather hip hop fans. Um, yeah, it's a great episode. He's a great soul. We had a great time with this combo during the episode and also after the episode, stuff that you don't get to hear. Um, you know, I'm just glad that we 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 finally connected. And um, yeah, so before we get into the episode, I just want to make, you know, soft announcement of the things I've been hitting, hinting at. And just to say that uh, Word to Your Mama has, is now part of the Latina Podcast Network. Yes, it's a, it's a huge thing. Um, I'm excited that we are doing this and... You know, I feel like you grow as a community, um, you know, with the with the tribe. And so um, I'll have more information uh, as it becomes available. But yes, uh, Latina Podcast Network, Podcasting Network. And it's, uh, I believe, 20 other shows. Some are one is in Puerto Rico. I think one is in like Colombia or something like that. And it's, you know, other diverse voices. And um, we're, we're coming together as a community to to push along to get the word out and also, you know, hopefully work together to get the promo that other people, quote unquote, get 
and that sometimes, you know, we are overlooked. So, you know, moving forward, I'm hoping it's a great relationship. Um, but yeah, it's exciting news. And if you've noticed on the app, whatever you're listening to, if you look at the at the show image, you could see the the logo for Latina Podcast Network. Um, yeah, so you're going to start seeing a little bit more rollout, a little bit more information on each episode. And um, yeah, we're real excited about that. So let's get into Rolando Cruz. Um, and then after that, don't forget, stay for the Supernatural Bear. I have no idea what he's going to be doing. Um, and then after that, little outro. So let's get into it. Ritzy, it's nice to virtually meet. I know. Amazing. It's wild. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, uh, it's Valentine's Day. Happy it Valentine's is, Day. uh, you know, uh, the city of LA is incredibly happy after know, the Super right? Bowl win. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy if people are happy this is the best way I would describe it. <laughs> uh, are you big, uh, do you celebrate, do you believe in Valentine's Day? Oh, that's a great question. I would say, you know, so I am the father of a four-year-old. So Super I think cute. the way I, I look at it is like, <laughs> I celebrate anything that she would celebrate, yes. um, you know, and, uh, you know, with kids, you kind of, uh, love, uh, you experience love on a such greater level. And, mm. uh, you know, and I think for me, it's just like, you know, she's my, She's like my little crime partner, my best friend, and uh, it's just fun to uh, soak it all in. So uh, would I like partake in it in the usual sense? I, I don't think, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't probably do that. I maybe might hit up a local street vendor and grab some flowers uh, just to, <laughs> you know, uh, show love to all of our loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, Valentine's Day, I think you're right. As a parent, you revisit or reclaim or re-engage in holidays. I don't know if that, you know, if it's been like that for you, but like I could care less about Christmas. And, you know, the only one I cared about was Halloween, but when, you know, we had the supernatural bear, then it was like, oh, Christmas. Oh, yeah. let's get a tree. Let's let's get the ornaments. Let's make and then so I started to get every year start like started getting into it. Valentine's Day though has never been a thing for me. Yeah. Um, even pre, you know, having a, being a mom, uh, and I, I think the, the people that I dated before I was married and, and even when with, with Raka, it was like, I, from jump, I was like, I don't need the cards. I don't, I don't want to celebrate. Yeah. But I think it was like a test. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's true. And it's, uh, and you know, like, unfortunately, like a lot of things, like even the root of it is uh, sometimes it gets so heavily commercialized, mm -hmm. you know? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you should celebrate love every day and uh, as much as you can, especially after, um, you know, the, the trenches that we've been having to navigate life, right? So it's yes. all like... Uh, you just want to experience love on a greater level as much as you can with the people that you genuinely care about. Yes, for sure. And and speaking of, uh, you know, you being a father to what I've seen, uh, you know, via socials, uh, a, a strong, independent, super cute little girl. Um, yeah. 
I, I, you know, doing my my due diligence because we know it of each other the first time meeting and like virtually. And right. I feel like in the past couple of weeks, maybe month or so, uh, we've been interacting a lot, and you've been introducing me to some Twitter Spaces, and you know, I don't know, it's just been this this awesome connection. And because I know you from Elisa, Lady Emish, um, that she's been on here twice. Um, she was on the not second episode, not be protections light, and then she was on with with DJ Fatrick because we talked about um heartbreak Monday uh radio, and so um this you know I had to like do a deeper dive and being a an only child, how has that impacted you becoming a father and you know how did those experiences inform how how you parent? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think a lot of it is rooted in um, one, like, you know, knowing the responsibility of being like a father to a young, a young girl, right? And knowing that, like, my actions and are going to heavily influence just kind of the way she experiences the world, I think are really, uh, are really meaningful. I grew up without a dad. And so um, I think for me, it's just like, you know, I always, uh, I think of the day that she was born, right? Like uh, uh, my wife was getting attended to. And so she was still uh, in the delivery room. And so the nurses had already just given me Luna. And so I'm holding her in this room, in this like waiting room. Uh, and it's just me and her. And, uh, you know, and it was, it was wild because like I told her, I never knew the voice of my dad, but yeah. you are going to know the voice. You're going to know my voice. And that was like, you know, and I think that that to me was like, and that that whole week, you know, of her being born was super transformational for me. Um, you know, I drove my mom back home um, that night, you know, and I asked her, I was like, I was like, do you remember when I was born? She was like, yeah, she was like, I was alone in, <sighs> you know, uh, and she was like, and she pauses and she goes, no, I wasn't alone. It was me, God and you. And, yeah. uh, you know, and like, I, prior to my daughter being born, I was like a rock, like, you know, like I've been involved in social justice, like nothing would make me like cry, like nothing, right? Like I was just like, I am like, I'm ready for this. This is all of these things, you know, like, you know, like just, you know, emotionally dead inside, just because, you know, just like you're, 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 you raise yourself in that manner to like, you know, navigate like growing up, uh, you know, in tough neighborhoods. Um, after she was born, I like will cry and like feel everything. And so I think that that's kind of like the, been the biggest transformation as like for me, not just like being like an only child, but it's just like really, uh, you know, like allowing yourself to feel on, on, a, on a deeper level. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I think for me, it's just like, you know, fatherhood has been really fun. I think you know, just knowing like, you know, uh, you know, like, you're just going to try to like raise this child to be a really great person in the world. Yeah. Right. Like that's it. Like um, success will be whatever, you know, she chooses it to be, allow it to be. Um, I just want her to be happy and, uh, and do good in the world. Um, because like, you know, you can take a turn and not do good in the world, you know, and we've seen <laughs> folks do that, um, you know, and uh yeah, it's been it's been great. It's uh, you know, it just means that you just watch a lot of bluey and a lot of stuff, you know, 
Uh, I've been working from home for the last like two years since the pandemic. And those two years really have been me and my daughter at home. Mm. My wife has still been having to go to work um, uh, because of the line of work that she does. So it's like a lot of these during the pandemic was just like, you're just like, all right, well, this world is like the beginning of that dystopian comic book I've read. And now I have this like, you know, three-year-old with me and it's just like, all right, honey, I like, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to, we're going to thug this out together. And, uh, uh, and I think if anything, like the silver lining for me is just like, uh, you know, my bond with my daughter is just like incredibly strong and, uh, yeah. And we're attached at the hip. That's super cute. And do you feel that, uh, being, having her being a parent and, Ah, it's it makes me want to cry that you know. I hear you. <laughs> it's super cute. Um, um, sorry. Um, is it healing? Is it kind of like? Mm. Are you able to? I mean, have you even noticed? Because even if you haven't noticed that, that's what it's doing. You know, it's right. healing your, you know, younger self. Um, you know. Yeah. No, I think uh, it's very. It's a. Uh, it's a very genuine way of sort of you know reshaping like things and i think a lot of it is just like you re you re-examine the world and how you live in it um you know uh and you know and it uh, and it really in many ways just made me appreciate like my mom so much more right like you know i'm a i'm a, I'm a child of an immigrant right like yeah. my mom she was the first person from her family to come to you know this place and you just think about how radical that is right like it's like I'm going to get up and leave everything I know, the language I know, the people I know, and go to this foreign place that I don't know anything of. And then you, you know, you find yourself pregnant in this foreign place, raising a child on your own. Like, uh, it just like made me appreciate my mom on such a, such a deeper level. And, uh, you know, and I, we grew up in Boyle Heights and, uh, and so I know a ton of friends that like, you know, who are dead or in prison mm-hmm. and, uh, or just dealing with like, you know, that the trauma of, of just, you know, being raised, how we were raised, where we were raised. Um, and so I just like, you know, A, I just kind of consider myself like very fortunate, you know, fortunate that I was raised by like just an incredible, incredible woman. And so I think like in many ways, like I, it, Luna was destined to be Luna, you know, like she was destined to be this daughter. Uh, My daughter has my mom's middle name. And, uh, and so I think a lot of it is just like not only paying homage to her and her journey, uh, but also allowing her to just like, to celebrate and just like be, you know, all of these things, right? Because young, young kids of color are often not allowed to just like be these entities, however they choose to be and manifest themselves in, uh, in multiple ways. And so, um, the short answer is, uh, I think not only was like Luna born, but I think, yeah, in many ways, like I was reborn. Exactly. Exactly. It's a gift. It's a, it's a true gift. And, and, and it's, and it's also great that you, you point that out because we just had, had just had this conversation a couple of days ago with the previous guest, who's a really good friend of my Kano. He's, um, a Chinese Ecuadorian from New York and. Um, we were talking about some, oh, they, uh, I have this thread with, uh, you know, him and Shane and Sket, these are, you know, amazing artists. We, we text every day and, um, one of them had a picture holding the supernatural bear as a baby, mm. you know, he's like almost, he's going to be 10 this year. And I was like, 
I was like, ooh, that's stressful. Just thinking about that year for me, you know, um, it, it, it's traumatizing for me. I feel like I, I went through the trenches that first year of, of him, you know, being born. And then we were talking, I was like, I, I was like man, I was like, to, I, I full respects to the women that I know that have multiple kids. Yeah. And then we went further back to our, you know, being him and I being child of immigrants as well. And being an adult and realizing the full extent because you're in it and being like, they did it with multiple kids or, right. you know, and by themselves with nothing con lo mínimo. Right. Yeah. And here we are with like being so blessed and, and, you know, um, uh, you know, breaking cycles and you know right you know and all these things and it's so hard now like i can't the 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 respect do the respect realize is is definitely uh true um i do admire like to mention you you talk about like you know uh folks with multiple kids like i i call it like you know the two-parent swagger right like just because like <laughs> you're like i've seen uh friends of mine that have you know their second child and the, the way they operate i was just like yeah, like they, you, you, you figure, you know, you got your first one and now you already know how to navigate it, you know? <laughs> uh, and like, I grew up as an only child with no like siblings. So like, I, you know, like we're figuring this out, like, you know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so, yeah, like, I think it is, uh, it is like you, you just admire, uh, folks that are just out there doing it. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, credit to all folks, uh, you know, single moms or single dads out there just trying to navigate it, make the best, uh, that they do the best that you can in a city that is inherently very challenging to, to put your best foot forward. Yeah, for sure. So, so you were born and raised in, in Boyle Heights, cause I know you rep it super hard and, you know, I'm going to have links to, um, the latest episodes that you're featured in. Um, I got a chance to watch the, um, season one, episode five, take out with Lisa Ling, um, with you on there. And then also I'll have a link to season two, episode three, broken bread with our man, the real one, Roy Choi, chef Roy, Roy Choi. <laughs> um, and it's called food as resistance. So, you know, I was like, man, he's repping hard for, um, Boyle Heights, and then you are also co-founder of Boyle Heights Bridge Runner. That's how the connection comes through. Yeah, um, I will say this, I because uh, it always cracks me up. Like, uh, I am not actually a co-founder of the Bridge Runner. Oh, but they have you listed like that. I know, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, and so like I think one one of two things. It's like one, like uh, the crew was founded by you know a collective of really great people. Okay. Uh, Nico, Myra, Gomez, Elisa. Um, really were the, the, you know, kind of the folks that really got it kicked off. I kind of joined the crew a couple of months afterwards. Um, but the other part is like, we've never really used the labels in that sense, uh. right? Like we've never used like, you know, this person is the captain, co-captain lead, none of that stuff. I think a lot of it has always been to kind of create it organically. Uh, so I do crack up when I saw it. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, well, that's not, you know, true. And, and you know, and, and I think anytime, you know, people are trying to, sh you know, share stories, like, you know, things like kind of come up, but I always like, uh, I always try to give credit to, uh, you know, the, 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 the cohort that originally kicked off this stuff because uh, they are all people that I have known for a long time and I've had uh, just endless love for. Um, and uh, I, in many ways, have just, you know, found myself in a space to be able to continue to support the vision of what the crew has done. And then also highlighting, you know, to your point, like highlighting, you know, Boyle Heights. And I think 
Uh, it's not only a place that I grew up in, um, you know, and I, it's, uh, I've also seen sort of like the best of the community and also mm. the worst of the community. Right. Uh, and I don't, and by worst, I mean like, you know, the, you know, the development and people that are wanting to monetize the community. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I, yeah, I, I love the, I love the neighborhood and, uh, the bridge runners is just like, uh, uh, I think something it's uh it's kind of our love letter to the community to be able to enjoy and celebrate uh the spaces i love that and then so if you want to tell a little bit more about um that organization and then we'll go into how you got into community organizing but um you know i i i know alisa is like you know mi hermana amiga but you know i don't you know we don't talk about what this organization really is like you know sometimes we'll be texting just like oh sorry i was running on yeah. wednesday and so that's the kind of the extent i mean then we saw you know when she, when you guys were on anthony bourdain and stuff so so what is what is the you know the mission of the boyle heights bridge runners yeah so uh you know gomez elisa and uh uh myra and nico you know were kind of inspired by gomez who at the time was running with uh, another group out in pasadena and he was just you know wanting to get fit um and a big part of it was just like why do i have to drive outside of the community Mm -hmm. to go partake in these like physical activities um we have an amazing backdrop. We have the bridges and all of this stuff. And so he starts to kind of like corral folks to be like, hey, come out and run on Wednesday. And uh, and he was like, you should do it. And at the time I I was, I was not a runner. I had been doing Muay Thai for a long time and really enjoying myself in that. And, you know, and I was still in that space. I was like, nah, man, like that, like the cardio stuff is not really my thing, da, da, da. But I also just loved being around them. You know, I loved being around uh, Elisa Gomez and uh, and that whole crew. And so then they were just like, come out one night. And I was like, all right. And like literally like all the classic things, like I showed up in shoes that are not like the best for running and like basketball shorts. <laughs> and you think like, all right, one mile is not that bad. And then you're running it and you're like, oh man, this really sucks. Um, we got two more miles to do and then you know and so like little by little it was just like he was just like hey do you want to come out and i was like yeah and there was nights that like i remember one people asked me like what was your best your favorite night running and it was literally the one night that like it was run it was raining that night that wednesday night and prior to it gomez was like hey are you gonna come out and i was like well are you gonna come out (laughs) and he was like well i'll do it if you do it and I was like, all right. And it was just the two of us. And he and I ran that that Wednesday night in the rain. It was phenomenal. Um, and uh, and it is by far my favorite memory of like uh, of running uh, in the group. And this is you know in our early the early years. Um, and little by little, you know, life happens. Folks like move on into different uh, projects or different phases of their life. And uh, uh, suddenly, like Gomez is just like, hey, do you mind, you know? no pun intended, running with this stuff, you know, and just like, and all of it is, is consistency, right? Is creating a space for folks to, um, A, you know, feel empowered to come out at night. Number two, creating a safe space for people to uh, enjoy your neighborhood, right? Like often we just like commute from work, home, go inside and you never really get out, you know? Um, and so really kind of like, you know, challenging folks like, come on out. And, uh, and I think a big part of uh, our presence has been that social media presence. So you see folks that look like you, 
right? Like, uh, we are not like this heavily stylized running crew, right? Where it's all like, um, you know, where it's like clearly like very like, you know, professional photos and all of that stuff. Uh, it's, you know, it's the faces of the community that have come out and, um, it is, it is uh, by far a labor of love. And, uh, and we've seen folks that are not athletic that or view themselves as not at athletic, but actually are. Mm. Uh, and so we have, you know, the gentleman who's a butcher by day and there's the teacher that comes out, the local students, folks from the transgender community, the gay community, um, you know, and folks that have been in the community for a long time that will come out. And so we see people like come in, pop out, people that do it consistently. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like running is the thing that gets people out, but community is what gets people to continue to come back, right? Yeah. And um, and the that sense of community, I think, has been highlighted even, you know, during the pandemic, how much, like, even though we took that pause during the pandemic, we did it again earlier this year, um, people miss that sense of community and that sense of community pride. And, uh, and it's, it's been one of the coolest things to sort of see like flourish. Yeah. Um, do you have to be part, live in Boyle Heights to be part of the Boyle Heights bridge runner? It's a good question. Uh, the answer is no, you know, and it, <laughs> what I found uh, to be really neat is that we have folks coming out from all over Pomona, nice. San Dimas, Downey, you know, South Central, HP, oh, nice. um, you know, Monterey Park, uh, downtown. Um, and so, so you have folks coming from all over, folks that have ties to the community and folks that don't have ties to the community, but just are looking for a place, you know, to, um, you know, kind of connect and, uh, and so I think the, the beauty of this has been to do this alongside Elisa and Lizette and, um, you know, to kind of just create this environment where it's not about like, oh, let me see if I'm really fast and I can beat Ritzy, yeah. right? But it's more about like, I want to know Ritzy. I want to know, you know, these folks that are coming out and, uh, and you see all of these beautiful like partnerships that come out, you know, and, uh, friendships that, you know, develop people that, uh, um, you know, lived literally a couple of blocks away from each other suddenly now, you know, get to meet my favorite one of my favorite moments is hearing how uh my friend mando armando met with lizette and they both had followed each other on social media would take pictures of the similar things <laughs> and then it was at the bridge runners that they actually physically met and they were like oh like i i've followed and seen the work that you've done but now this is a space that you we get to like uh connect and so you know, I think that the seeing the the, the level of community that is created from it has been really fascinating our kind of new experienced fame has really been wild to sort of see just because, uh, you know, uh, that was never the intention, right? Yeah. Um, the Anthony Bourdain episode that you mentioned earlier is really, uh, is a testament to that. I think uh, uh, Roy, the homie Roy is really kind of what got that ball rolling. You know, he and uh, Tony had had a longstanding friendship um, and they had been talking about things that are taking place in Los Angeles. And Roy's like, hey, you should check out this group um, out in Boyle Heights. They run at night, you know, you know, folks of color. It's really neat. And sure enough, his people reached out to us. We we chopped it up and they were like, sounds good. We'll we'll cut you guys into the episode. It was uh, it was a it was a cool moment, uh, especially like I always sort of say, like, 
uh, my wife and I would watch the show mm. regularly all the time. And it mostly because like, this was the only show that she and I would watch that like we could watch together. Cause like <laughs> most of the time, like I was watching just really depressing stuff. And so suddenly to find ourselves in this moment where I was like, wow, we're, I get to meet mm. this like, you know, amazing person. And, you know, had a phenomenal conversation with him over food and in tacos. Um, but after that shoot, uh, he just kind of sat on the curb, popped open a beer and we like talked for like an hour about MMA and boxing and, yeah. uh, all of this stuff. And so that, I think for that to me is like my everlasting memory with, with him wasn't like the stuff on camera, right. But it's always yeah. the stuff off camera that is really always. transformational and, um, and I think a lot of it, I, uh, one was just like, uh, I, our conversation about MMA wasn't just like, you know, like, oh, this guy hit him really hard. You know, it was like actually talking about the nuances of the beauty about uh, mixed martial arts. And um, and so we had this just like hour long conversation of, of stuff and uh, it was uh, it was super meaningful. And so and his passing, like really genuinely, like uh, just just like hurt me to the core, you know, um, and, uh, you know, like, here's like this, like white man who, like, I don't know what it was, but just the magic of him, just like, you know, um, like even the Bourdain episode, like I've only seen it twice. Mm. Right. I saw it the, the day it aired. And then <laughs> I just saw it once with like my daughter just to like watch it. And that was it. Like, I've only seen it twice. I, you know, um, just mostly because it makes me sad. Yeah. I bet. So, yeah, but... yeah, but it's been great. It's been great to sort of see the love that the community gets. And I think for me, the Bridge Runners has always just been about creating a space without like, you know, like without judgment, right? Like creating a space where anybody feels included to come and run, you know, um, and, uh, and we've, you know, we've had moments to like that were, uh, you know, unique, you know, Coca-Cola approached us to do a commercial early on. We're relaunching the Cove Collective Book Club in March 2022. It'll be a membership-based virtual book club for women of color where we'll have seasonal meetups, digital book discussion guides, author Q&As, downloadable resources, and much, much more. Pay $49 per quarter every three months or $149 when you pay for the year up front. Head to our website, covecollective.ca to sign up for the waitlist. And uh, they're like, hey, we want you guys to, you know, this and that, and we'll pay you. And I was just like, there's no way we're going to do a commercial for the biggest peddler, <laughs> right. um, you know, sugared water. And, um, you know, and I drink Coke, like I drink Coke all the time, but like my personal views and all on it are not ones that I would like illustrate, you know? And I think one of the things that we've done is like say no more than we do say yes to certain things and certain uh, collaborations, you know? And all of the ones that have come in have really been just because of like friends, right? I, I've known Lisa Ling for 10 years and she's like a phenomenal friend and uh, somebody who's just like, uh, just as real as it gets, um, you know? And our feature in her show takeout was just really like by chance, you know, mm. I saw she gets this show on HBO. 
And I texted her. I was just like, hey, by the way, you should check out Otami-san and Boyle Heights. It's the last standing Japanese restaurant in the community. And this kicks it off, right? Like, she's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean last Japanese restaurant? Was there like a Japanese community? And she's like, suddenly understands this history of the city, um, you know, that often historically never gets told, right? And, uh, um, and suddenly she finds this, these rich layers of like the community and highlights beautiful places like uh, not only Otami-san, but uh, East Los Misubi, who's been really getting a lot of great shine because of uh, the episode. Um, and just highlighting the community and the richness uh, of Los Angeles, right? Here you have this Japanese American community that has made a huge impact in the city, but often doesn't get celebrated. And uh, for me, it's just like, I love to just like, I like to connect, right? Like connect those pieces, you know? And um, and then goes to show you how the universe works. Uh, Helen Cho, who was uh, one of the staff members that worked with uh, Anthony Bourdain's show, is the executive producer of Lisa's show. And we were able to reconnect and, uh, and seeing her and, you know, and seeing this woman get this opportunity to highlight these stories, uh, especially for our uh, Asian brothers and sisters, um, who have found themselves being the victims of violence because of, again, just sort of evil that has been put out into the world, right? And yeah. uh, and misinformation. And so like, like, you know, like very few things get me heated, right? Except, mm. but like, you know, uh, except when like you, you see like bullying type tendencies, yes. right? Like that's yeah. when I'm just like, like, you know, and so to see like our elders in our community, and I say our elders because like, you know, elders belong to all of us. That knowledge belongs to all of us. Uh, and so, you know, to just, you know, be able to connect and highlight the beauty of the Asian American community um, and its its ties to Boyle Heights, I just, uh, I was glad to sort of see it and to see the Asian American community celebrated in this light uh, was, uh, was positive for me. And I, you know, like I didn't need to be front and center. Like I'm, hey, this is a spot and allow the story to be told. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that they came out around this, like almost the same time. So you can, if you, I'll I'll definitely have a link to um, the Anthony Bourdain episode as well. But if you watch these two episodes, it gives you a nice rounded story about Boyle Heights. Cause you just, you know, especially with the shows that have been out, you're just like Latino, Latino, Latino. But you, you know, if you go back and then you find out that there used to be, a, you know, the big Japanese um, community, um, the history of that and how that was incorporated into the the fabric of the community and stuff like that. It, I just love what uh, Lisa is doing, what Roy is doing, um, giving us the unheard stories of, right. of these areas that, um, you know, people for a long time have always tried to erase and it, it people we're we're over it right we're done yeah. with it and it's time for us to tell our own stories to to also um i love that you know you knew that history you're not japanese but you knew it and you're just like hey the last standing and then yeah. she's like well, what do you mean and then you're just like well da -da 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 -da. and and it's it's we can come together and sh shed light on just because it is part of the community. And yeah. I feel like that's very, very important. So where do you think your sense of understanding the importance of community organizing comes from? 
you know, there's a term called a uh, YA baby, right? Which is like in reference to kids that grow up in the juvenile system, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, and so uh, often to imply that this kid was raised by the system and not necessarily family. And I always kind of think of it like I was raised by nonprofits in many ways, right? Like I, I'm a latchkey child. So like, you know, I would come home and often it would be like nobody home. And, um, and so it's easy to kind of get caught up in stuff. And, uh, and I, the way I describe it, I was never from a gang, none of those things, but like all of my close childhood friends were, right? And so I know the ingredients that go into it and to go yeah. into making it. Uh, and I just try to enter the spaces like authentically myself, but I always found myself at various like nonprofits, you know, and early on, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to be a part of like seeing homeboy industries grow in the community because all of my friends were from the projects even though I wasn't from the projects. And so, you know, by chance, one summer, one of my friends was like, hey, let's go to this office. Maybe, you know, Father Greg will give us a summer job. And I meet this, like, you know, uh, interesting man who I'd never met but had heard of, you know, for a long time, just kind of growing up in the community. And um, and it was interesting seeing sort of uh, homeboy industries at the early onset because, this is when the organization was not the darling of the city at the time. You know, I remember some of my friends would check voicemails and people would leave like hate mail, right? Like, I'm never going to buy your wet back bread, da da da, and they would just hang it up, right? And like, it never like never cut any of us deep, right? Like, it was just like, all right, well, they didn't leave a callback <laughs> number, uh, so you know, like, and that was just a sense of humor that was developed there, and uh, and so I think for me, just to be around this bold visionary really was transformative for me. Mm. Uh, and I think he was also kind of slightly intrigued by me because he was like, how does this dude know all of these gangsters, but is it from any neighborhood, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think that environment really just kind of like fostered what it was to be a true radical, uh, what it is to be, you know, what love is to be for your city, for your fellow person. Um, and then like that just kind of takes you down that rabbit's hole, right? Like people give you like the right books. And this is kind of one of the reasons why I have such, uh, you know, Elisa, uh, uh, you know, is like a, a big sister to me and, you know, and was one of the very first people I've known Elisa since I was like 17 years old. Wow. Uh, and so Lady and Mish just kind of would be like, oh, you should read this, read that. And, um, and those, you know, and books are super transformational on that level. And, um, and so I think a lot of it for me is, you know, is like a just being granted like access to the books that you would not read in school, right? Like, because uh, you, you know, very few teachers are like saying like, hey, check out the you know autobiography of Malcolm X. Hey, check out you know, uh, you know the history of this. Um, and so like you know these books start to like play like fundamental uh, lay the foundation for like you know my views of the world uh, moving forward. Um, and, you know, and I found myself really fortunate, you know, I, I learned significant things about social justice through like Father Greg found myself, you know, uh, working in Skid Row, uh, for, you know, almost seven years, uh, and just really like getting to be, to understand like not only homelessness and the challenges behind it, mental illness, uh, but also just love for your fellow brothers and sisters. Most of my clients at the time were black. And, um, you know, and folks would just often sort of say, like, 
you know, like one, especially for somebody that's coming out of incarceration, um, you know, you have to kind of fall in line along racial lines. And, uh, you know, and I could tell, like, they would often look at me and they're like, well, what the hell are you, man? Like, you know, because uh, I'd be like, well, I'm Mexican. And they're like, oh, and I was like, but then you start, start to treat people like people and with this level of respect. Um, you know, I worked for a long time in Skid Row and I never got burned out. And people often would ask me like, well, what is it? You know, and I would say one is just like, I try to treat people the way I would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. If I lost, lost it, right. Find myself mm -hmm. in that space. I would want somebody to just be open, warm, real with me. Right. Cause like I would find myself hearing stories and I would tell people, look, if I had keys to put you up in an apartment, I would do it. But there's all these layers and these things that we need to navigate. Um, and it just made me fall in love more with the city because uh, I was, you know, I, I viewed it like anybody that walked in through the doors is continuing to fight for themselves. And uh, and I'm going to be what I need to be, whether it's a cheerleader or a coach, mm, you know, because mm. sometimes people need just the coaching or the cheerleading, right? Like, you got this. Don't worry about this, mm. you know? Um and so, like, you know, the issues around the unhoused is, is something that I just genuinely care about because uh, what drives me up the wall is, like, the city has experienced the greatest level of wealth it has ever experienced historically. Mm -hmm. But it's also experiencing the greatest uh, uh, amount of homelessness it has ever experienced. The African-American population in Los Angeles is one of the smaller populations in the city, but it is the highest experiencing homelessness mm. what does that say about us as a city our moral fabric right. um that we are not willing to fight for for our brothers and sisters that like can that where we can suddenly find ourselves in you know yep. um and so you know it's things that i've cared about i you know, I, I I often tell people I feel like uh, my life is a little bit like a for the Mexican forest gum. You know, I find myself in these unique positions, uh, and to be enlightened by certain folks that have, uh, you know, uh, the streets have been my greatest teacher, and uh, and folks experiencing homelessness have been uh, incredibly transformational transformational for me to just like um, to navigate and fight for for the underserved. That's amazing because you you've been working in that's in the um in those spaces for such a long time and you haven't gotten burnt out. I feel like that I, I don't know if I'm correct, but from what I heard and friends that work in that space, burnout is right. <laughs> you know, kind of yeah, just par true. for the course. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Um and I was wondering, do you think because you said something like you don't it takes a lot for you to get upset but you know when you see bullying and and i've said this many times especially on here you know I, i'm not an only child but i was an only child for a long time you know what yeah. i'm saying there's a big yeah. age gap and it's another dad it's a whole situation and so i feel the same way but also do you think that you're you know you got that innate sense of community and community building because you were an only child because like you kind of had to seek it out you know being that yeah. you know we were like uh i'm sure i'm significantly older than you but like age bracket where you said latchkey kid that means we're kind of in the same vein yeah. um is that do you think that has anything to do with that you know, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, so one is like people always sort of say like, oh, as an only child, you must have been very lonely, 
Right. And like, I, I, and I was like, no, like I've (laughs) never felt that way. Like I, you know, like, um, you know, to kind of bring it back to the Otami-san, I grew up literally right around the corner from that, that restaurant. Right. Uh, and my first childhood friend is still the homie, right? And, uh, you know, and he and I have charted two completely different paths in life. Mm-hmm. I still got endless love for him, right? And he's got endless love for me. And, um, and so I think that sense of, you know, like seeking it, I think a part of it is also like, I just is rooted in, I just care, right? Like the city, like has shown love to me, the people of the city have shown love mm-hmm. to me. And I want to pay it forward. The like sense of like bullying is just like, it just always has like rubbed me the wrong way. Um, you know, uh, like one of the, like my clearest memories is just, I remember this kid um, who uh, clearly like spoke, uh, you know, Spanish uh, and was like reading something and this one clown wanted to make fun of him because of his accent, right? And, like, there's something in me, like, kind of almost, like, with the Hulk, right? Like, when he gets mad, he, like, <laughs> rages up. And it's sort of the same level, like, where I remember just, like, started clowning this dude. And I was all, like, and I start clapping back at Homeboy, um, you know. And, and it's not like the other kid was, like, my homie. Like, we grew up together. Mm-hmm. I just, like, I just, like, that just, mm-hmm. like, is, like, it kicks that switch in for me. And it's always been the, the case. And, you know, kind of people ask like, oh, it must've been really cool to me Bourdain and all of that stuff. And, and it for sure was, but I think one of the, the coolest outcomes of it was I was in uh, little Tokyo, which is like my other, like, if I don't rep uh, Boyle Heights hard enough, it's like <laughs> I rep little Tokyo. Um, but I was there at a uh, homie's location at Cafe Dulce and, uh, you know, and I run into this dude and he's just like, he's like, Hey man, were you on that show? And I was like, yeah, you know, kind of the usual like pleasantries. Right. He goes, you know, He's like, you and I went to uh, high school together. And I was like, oh, f- for reals? I was like, you know, I was like, man, like, I don't, I, I can't say that I remember, you know, like I had hair then, like yeah. <laughs> all of these things. And he's like, no, he goes, our interaction wasn't a positive one. And and then like in my head, like, you know, if you're a kid from the hood, you automatically think like, oh man, like I probably had beef with this kid. Yeah. We probably squabbled, whatever, whatever. Are we he's about like, to square up right now? Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> man, like. And, uh, but he was like, no, he goes, we were in the, we were watching something and there was a scene of two men kissing and he's like, and I said something, uh, you know, really, uh, really, what did he say? Something, he's like, I just said something really ignorant. And he's like, and you turned around and you go, what's wrong with somebody being gay? No. And he's like, and he's just like, and I remember just like, I just shut down and I just like stood quiet. And you just kind of kept pushing. I do not remember that moment, right? Like, I don't remember that story. It wasn't anything, uh, like, it wasn't, like, this, like, moment that, like, was etched in my memory. But it was clearly etched in this dude's memory, right? And then it, like, reemerges when he suddenly sees, you know, um, this episode. And so, I, you know, I just felt, you know, so, like, moments like that I thought were really positive and really unique and... uh, um, and some of the really, you know, moments that I just love to kind of like think about. I love that. Love that so much. Okay. So let's get into the section we like to call the not so rapid fire questions, the AKA I love this one. slow as hell questions. So you're familiar, I but I have a couple little extras thrown in 
by um, a little someone, someone. Oh, 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 no, no, no. I'm getting ahead of myself. What am I doing? What am I doing? Let's go to questions and comments from the audience. Uh, Real quick. I can't skip. I can't skip that. What am I doing? It's your show. You can do whatever you want. Okay. So also, let me preface this by saying your name is Rolando. I feel I don't know you and I haven't earned the right to call you Roly. <laughs> <laughs> so that is why I have started just that's that's just going to preface that. Okay? okay. You're more than welcome to call me Rolly, by <laughs> well, the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let me let me read these beautiful words that I got from somebody. It says, um, well, Rolly has been a community leader, brother, comrade for several years now. I like to think of him as an unofficial Boyle Heights ambassador. <laughs> he has a conf he he has a confidence just just and loving leadership style. He is patient and nurturing of new runners, and he's just down to earth, smart and kind. We used to run together before any of us had our kids. And as we get older and we both parent, navigate everything along with that, I appreciate him even more. He's just the kind of person you want in your life. I'm so happy you're talking to him on your show. And that is by Jolene. Am I, is I saying her? Uh, yeah, Jolene. Yeah. Jolene. Yes. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jolene is by far just one of the most authentic and genuine souls uh, that I know. And again, as somebody that is championing uh, for everybody in the city and uh, a true, just genuine uh, person who I, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to to connect with. And, you know, I think for a lot of us, you know, people view radicals as not people that you can that are just kind of these grumpy folks. And it's just like, Jolene is one of those people that I can laugh with and nerd out with about comic books and and uh, and love true uh, true love of social justice. Love that so much. Um, thank you so much, Jolene, for the question, because I don't know her and I just was like, you know, I just saw an interaction with you guys on Twitter or something like that. And then I was like, let me follow her. Let me reach out to her on Instagram um and dm her you know and just yeah. and so i was just like hey my name's this i want to you know da, 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 da. and she came back and she's like oh i listened to your show and i was like oh my god thank you so much and the kind words and i was like of course of course like i i was like i don't know her but i feel like they're really close and then boom i was not wrong okay no. so let's get into the not so rapid fire questions the aka slow as hell questions that you know of and then i have some other ones um and when i ask those i'll reveal who helped me out. Okay, yeah. the first one. Three words to describe yourself. Oh, that's, uh, I would just say, you know, uh, for sure, just radical, uh, funny. I think I tend to just make people <laughs> laugh. And the last one is just a dad, you know, like I think the <laughs> being a dad is the, the, the title that I care about the most. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I, when I, you know, I never thought I'd be a mom and then, uh, you know, I became one and it's the best thing. I think right. one of the best things. And I have reclaimed, you know, you're such a mom and Ike, right. what about it? It's dope. Yeah. It's one of the dopest jobs, the hardest jobs. I don't know what you're, what are you trying to say? That's not a diss. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like, no, oh, absolutely. you're such a mom. And well, Cool. Then yeah, success. You know what I'm saying? Okay. The second one. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Oh, you know, um, I think there are, 
you know, one is just like kind of like the words that I love live by. It's just like, uh, is that, you know, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Please believe it. And, uh, you know, and it's a term that I heard a lot from uh, folks that have been incarcerated and, um, you know, and I think a lot of it is just sometimes like to your point, like reclaiming that and flipping that, right? Like if we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. And that just means on all fronts, right? Like, yeah. you know, parenthood, life, social justice, uh, the way we navigate in spaces, like, you know, um, and that's kind of the, something that I, has been always close, incredibly close to my heart. It's just like, all right, you know, if we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. And so it's like, whatever it may be, like, if you want to talk about, you know, parenting, life, love, this community, all of this, like, let's, let's go, you know, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, I attribute that quote to just like all of the, the homies that I just grew up with that just like, you know, uh, bestowed this knowledge onto me love it yeah remember that kids because it's in not just in it's in all facets of life like he said right it could be your job it could be anywhere that's what yeah those are the types of things i'm trying to teach the supernatural bear you know it's yeah. it's um how i think we've had this many times discussion many times and we continue to have discussion how do you teach your child street smarts when they're not in the same situations that you were in. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. some of the things I'm like, oh, that's my superpower. No, that's childhood trauma. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. PTSD. <laughs> Do you it know really what I mean? Because really I'm like, I'm like, come on, Supernatural, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. You know, whether it's here at the house, be aware of your surroundings, because if mom and papa bear are talking, then then that's not, maybe not the time to interrupt, right? It's like that type of situation. But mm -hmm. when you're out in the streets, mijo, like when you're out in the streets, I was like, how many times, how many times did we almost get in a, in a car crash? But we didn't because I was aware of my surroundings and I didn't yeah. go. And he's like, you're right. And I was like, you know, it's hard to teach that. But, you know, I was like, we, I was like, your papa bear and I had to learn it because of survival. And yeah. we don't, we're, we're excited and, and happy that we, you don't have to do that, but we still want you to learn it. Yeah. I think that to me has been the biggest uh, thing that is always of a front of mind, especially raising uh a daughter right mm. and um and you know and i've you know i've taught my daughter just like everything from like nuances to like keeping your hands up you know um like my daughter knows how to throw a punch and kick uh nice. and um but even like her school has been really phenomenal where like she you know one day she came home and she was just saying like my body my own oh, right I like love it you know, and so like these little things uh, that like I think are really, really, re really vital. I know I will not be around forever, but I want her to be able to just like have and enter those spaces with that, like that ability to just like, hey, you know, whatever, whenever, like I am ready, <laughs> exactly. I am, I'm down. And, you know, I, I used to go to this uh, gym called The Yard and, you know, my uh, my head coach was uh, uh, Mark Kimura, an older Japanese cat from Boyle Heights. And he would often uh, ask me to help like with uh, when, you know, women would come to the to the gym and uh, he would really just use me as like a human punching bag. And it was just because, uh, you know, some of the girls would punch at the gloves as opposed to at the face. And, and he would always say like, don't worry, if you hit him, you're not going to break him. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, changing you know that person a young woman's mind about like all right i can hit this dude mm, like mm. and like because often we what are we told like you know like 
girls don't fight, act like a proper lady, all of these terminologies yeah. that we impose on women. And here, you know, this older Japanese dude was like breaking all of those, like, you know, stigmas and saying like, no, nah, you could crack this dude. And I love that gym, you know, the first place that like I literally had my mouthpiece knocked out of my mouth was by a young woman, you know? Uh, and, and so I think for me, it's just like wanting to just like impose those like things for my daughter to just, hey, you can do all of those things, but you can also just kick and punch if need be. I love that. It's like teaching uh, young, young girls to have agency because we didn't have yeah. that growing up. Um, you're right. Um, okay, so the next one, I'm gonna change this up. Usually I ask what song is your hype song, right? Mm -hmm. But I have a, a remix of it from Lady Emish, <laughs> Elisa. If you could only run to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, you know, um... So I, I will say one is like I growing up in LA, like, you know, love dilated peoples, like yeah. love just, you know, just anybody that champions the city of LA, I was always been a big fan of. And, uh, but I also like, just like the, just like the, the goon in me loves like Cameron and the diplomats <laughs> and they have a song yes. called I'm ready. And <laughs> it's like this, like, it's not the most traditional running song, right? It's not like, dum, dum, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, like the slow buildup and like the hook is like, uh, you know, I'm ready. And it's just like, I found myself running to a lot of like, just like random, like Cameron and, and diplomats just because like one, I just find them hilarious. <laughs> like, just like, God, like, God, these guys are just like so funny. And I think that's so much, um, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the like verses between oh, like the lockdown. Did I see it? We're outside, of course. <laughs> and like to me, like watching that, like it was just watching like Black Joy, right? <laughs> totally, like these totally. grown men were just like having like like it was the equivalent of watching kids in the playground, right? Please and the playground it. was like was the playground was hip hop right there, you know? And yeah. uh, and you know, you mentioned earlier, like kind of like you know these like these things that are transformational, but like hip hop for me was like where I found like a home in some regards and some art. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. I still listen to rap music. It still inspires me. It still makes me happy. It still gives me a sense of like culture and community. And um, some of my best friends, like our bond was over, you know, rap music. My you know, one of my best friends, you know, uh, James Clark, who's from, you know, from, from South Central, like, yeah. like our first conversation was like, what are you listening to? And like, and our friendship has been 20 years now. Right. And so it's just like, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a sucker for just some Cameron and some <laughs> diplomats, heat makers, all of that stuff. Yeah. Love it. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Hip hop. I say it all the time. Hip hop saved my life. Music yeah. saved my life, but hip hop saved my life. Um, and it's funny that you say the diplomats because another question that Elisa, Lady Emish, put together <laughs> says, Dipla diplomats or Wu Tang? Oh, uh, you know, Wu Tang, uh, like, uh, <laughs> mostly because, like, uh, you know, as like a kid that's like a bastard, right? And I embrace the title, like, I, you know, I just like, you know, hearing Method Man describe, like, you know, well, why do you call ODB, the old dirty bastard, and him saying, because there's no father to his style. Mm. And like, for me as a kid that grew up without a dad, right? Like, like when I heard that, like, it was just like, 
I, I equate it to the way, like when people talk about when they heard the gospel, right? Like <laughs> hearing that, I was just like, like, wait, I don't need a dad to like define me or like create like this. I was just like, I can just be like, and so like this term of like, you know, there's no father to a style, like, you know, yeah. Like I grew up in this neighborhood. I don't sound like the dudes like that historically people think of that grew up in this neighborhood. Like, uh, I've listened to music that doesn't historically get played throughout the neighborhood. Um, and so like Wu-Tang like was just like, you know, crazy, uh, influential to me. I got to meet, uh, I've had the chance to meet both like the RZA and Ghostface and they always kind of say, right, you don't ever want to meet your idols. Yeah. They were so dope, you oh, know, so and uh, Ghost, like, I will always remember, he was like, where can I get a good turkey burger? And I was so <laughs> stumped, and I'm, like, in my head trying to think of, like, where you could get a good turkey burger, just so genuine and so, like, you know, sweet. But, yeah, like, uh, like the Wu-Tang or, or is, was just, like, you know, like, besides the music being just, like, so innovative and brilliant, um, you know, like these little nuggets just like are things that have made a lasting impression for me. Yeah, hip hop, man. Never, Love it. Not fair where the fans here. My nope. my whole life is informed by by hip hop. I mean, you know, uh, the Supernatural Bears known all kinds of shit. And yeah. when he like he'll things will come on and he'll say the things. And then I look at Rock, I go, my job here is done. Like yeah. he, he's quoting, you know, such and such, at, you know, when, in, at the appropriate time in co in the appropriate context, my job is done. Okay. Last question. What will be your legacy? Um, I think my daughter, mm. you know, like, I think, uh, you know, I think of everything is like, you know, you not to just like piggyback off of like the, the Super Bowl, but, but everything is marching forward, right? Like, mm. You know, like I, uh, my wife often likes to like to remind me. She's like, I don't know how you're alive still, right? Just because, like, <laughs> you know, you just kind of like you grew up in these circumstances, all of these things, right? Like, statistically speaking, I should not be here with you right now, right? Like, just you know, Rolando, I say that shit all the time, right? Statistically, we should not be here. I should not be here, or I should be incarcerated, <laughs> or I should be a drug, like all the right. shit. Right? Yeah. Please. Yeah. It. I should be writing you a letter from prison while, like, uh, you know, that shit. Yeah. All of that. And so, like, I, that doesn't kind of like is doesn't escape me. And so it's like I think you know my mom handed me the baton to like push the bar further. Um, you know, and as somebody in social justice, like I am a big proponent of like it's not about you, right? Like if you're doing social justice to be like, oh, I helped so and so, and then me. it's. It, yeah. Oh, you're doing it all wrong, <laughs> you know, and I often will tell, you know, because people would tell me like, Rolando, you know, I appreciate this. I thank you. Da, da, da. I say, look, all my all I want you to remember is like, man, at some point in the downest moment in my life, the skinny Mexican dude helped me out. <laughs> That's it. Cool. Like I, my job is done. Um, and I think for me, it's just like I'm excited to sort of see, you know, what my daughter does with with this world and with mm. the space, right? Like how she moves mm. it forward. And um, and so, you know, I think my legacy will manifest itself through her in yeah. whichever way. And, uh, you know, and if uh, at the end of the day, she's like, man, my dad was, was great. He was hilarious. My job is done. That's the only legacy I care about, right? Like, yeah. um, 
I've been fortunate to be friends and hang out in spaces and have a cool and eccentric life. But really, the only thing I care about is how the eyes that my daughter looks at me through. Ah, the best. Yeah. The best. Rolando, uh, I still don't feel comfortable calling you Roly. I feel like I, I haven't earned it. So until I feel I've earned it, I will do that. But until then, Rolando, muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much for for doing what you do for the community, um, for being a real one, um, for being an amazing dad, and for being, you know, having this convo with me. I, I mean, I truly appreciate it. And everyone go check out all the links and support him and every, oh, one last question. Yeah. Because of the, I forgot to ask, because of the fame of uh, the Boyle Heights Bridge Runners, are you, is everyone like trying to join? Like, is everyone's like trying to be down? Like what, 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 what is that? Yeah, no, I would say, you know, I think one is right. Like it's hard to be down because every car you just still get up and run three miles, you know? So like that's just like, you know, like automatically <laughs> is going to be like a challenge. Um, but I will say one of the coolest things to kind of emerge from it is, especially speaking of Roy was like, he uh, hosted this great picnic with a bunch of us at Elysian Park everybody came out right like you know all these folks folks of color just like an amazing community but i ran into spanto from uh born and raised and i had been a fan of the work that they had been doing and i genuinely believe like you should give people their 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 roses while they're here right yeah. like give yeah. like people that love you know and i just told homeboy i was all like hey man i just want to say props to you for what you've been doing and he was all like uh he's like oh i appreciate it he's like where are you from right and like that that the famous <laughs> question and i was like i'm from boyle heights and i'll rep it to like i could be with aliens and if they say where are you from like i'm not gonna say earth i'm, gonna, I'm from boyle heights um and uh he's like oh he's like no doubt and he's like we just start chopping it up about love about la the city all of this stuff and uh you know and it sparked a really great friendship and so and i think you know i i hope to be able to do stuff with those guys and you know yeah. and highlight what we're we're putting together um and i think the the beauty of a lot of those things is just been finding other people that love the city as much as uh as much as we do there's a lot that the city is going through that is super you know that's meant to break the spirit but i think like even moments like you right like hanging out with you ritzy like we have uh been in the same universe but never connected right and suddenly yeah. the cosmic gods have brought us here together um and i think that you know you have been able to use a great platform to give voice to stories that are often unheard. Thank you. Awesome. You're doing it ahead of the curve, right? And like you're doing it, you know, marketing firms are spending millions of dollars to kind of understand stories. You're doing it organically. And, uh, and I think that those are the beauty, the beauty of all of those things that I would think have uh, transpired. And, um, and I think the more we're able to connect us after being socially distanced and without community to find it in these spaces is, uh, is been great. And, uh, and I appreciate your platform because, uh, you've interviewed so many of people that I admire. I'm a friend, friend of love and just like, or even that I don't know of that. I'm just like, I get to rediscover, you know? And, um, and I think that's great because we need more of that in this world. Thank you so much, Orlando. I loved hearing that. I appreciate it because sometimes I'm like, "What? Why am I doing this?" But because no. I love doing it. But when I hear that other people are listening at all, like, do you know what I mean? It, it means the most to me, and especially people I admire and respect, such as yourself. So, muchísimas my gracias. I really appreciate it. And then whenever you want to come on to talk about anything else, it's open for whatever, whenever. Yeah. 
Well, like you said, uh, you have a friend in me for life. Whatever you need, whenever, whatever, I got you. Vice versa. Gracias. Appreciate you. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Hello, everyone. It is SNB, the Supernatural Bear from the SNB Corner. And today we're going to be talking about Mr. Rolando. Sorry, I'm talking very fast today. Uh, he was on the show called Broken Bread. It's hosted by my uncle Roy Choi, who may or may not has been on the show. I don't remember. It's been over a year. So. Yeah, but he'll be hopefully on a future episode. Uh, but getting back to Rolando, he is a activist and a community organizer who does everything in his power to help people who don't feel safe and, you know, give them like a, a home to live in and stuff. So, yeah, I think he's a really cool guy. Um, and yeah, this has been the SMB Corner. Shout out to L Rolando! Yeah! Shoo-be-doos, yeah. There it is, episode 68 of Word to Your Mama with Rolando. Ro Ro I, don't, I don't do it as well as a supernatural bear, apparently, but Rolando Cruz. One day, I'll feel comfortable, maybe, um, doing the rolly. But he's amazing, right? Amazing. You just feel the goodness, the realness, um, you know oozing out via the sound waves and um yeah i i i'm glad I, i love connecting with good people good people know good people so let's keep it moving and the supernatural bear breaking it down uh with his r pronunciation i i love it um yeah maybe spanish spanish stuff uh, is paying off a little bit um again thank you so much for all your support You know, that you can tell your folks, tell your peeps, tell your friends. You can donate. You can go to the store, buy a couple of things. You can be become a patron on Patreon. And you can also buy us a whiskey via Buy Me a Coffee. All these links are in your show notes. Everything we talked about um, with Rolando are in the show notes. And don't forget, on Spotify via Ritzy P, there is a word to your mama guest hype song playlist so all the songs since september of 2020 that every guest on here has mentioned as their hype song has been added to that playlist and it's pretty dope i mean it runs the gamut like all kinds of things so don't forget about that and um yeah i'm excited for what's to come and for the rest of the 2022s and uh yeah as always we reap Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. Intro Beat, produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know anything about Word to Your Mama, including Media Kit, go to wordtoyourmama.com. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com.